Gretov, today's daf is Samachay 65. We are a little bit ahead, and we're going to see if we can get a full daf ahead because Tisha B'av is coming up. So we pick up at the bottom of Samachay Madalif, and the discussion here is the statement of Rav, which is going to last us throughout today with a few digressions, about when you assess the payment for Kefel versus the payment for and 4 and 5, double and 4 and 5, versus the payment for the Kara and the principal. So a Kefel and 4 and 5 is a court-imposed f- financial punishment. It is not a debt. It is not like a natural sort of incurring liability. The court has to impose it. If you admit to it, you're exempt from it. Um, and therefore, Rob says that those payments are based on the value. If you stole January 1 and it was one worth 1 and descended, the court case was December 1 and it was worth 4 or the reverse, then he says you pay for the 4 and 5 based on when the court imposes the debt. Whereas you pay for the principal when you did the stealing because that's when you incurred the fundamental liability. Um, and um, now the Gemara had some different, you know, uh, you know, uh, ways of limiting Rob's statement. It said that, what do you call it, that, uh, that if he made it fatter or he made it thinner, then uh, that wouldn't change it because then he wouldn't have to pay for what he added or he wouldn't have to benefit from the fact that he made it worse. We're ba- basically talking about a change in market value. Even a change of market value, if it went up and he slaughtered it here, because one of the examples is like to sell it or slaughter it, or he so- sold it, which is another way of stealing, so then he would pay the principal also based on the higher value because that's incurring another debt of the principal. But if it just was around here, he didn't slaughter it, then that's when he would pay this, you know, he'd do the split, this based on when he stole, and that based on the higher amount. Or if it was reversed, if it was four and one, then it would always be this ba- the, the principal based on when he stole, and the, four, and the two and the four and five based on when he stood in the court case. Okay, so that was the principle of Rav, and now we're going to continue to try to prove and develop that. So let's take a look. The Gemara says like this, um, um, uh, Tani Rebbe Chanina, three lines from the bottom. Tani Rebbe Chanina with UAE Larav. Rebbe Chanina taught the following bright to bring support to Rav. See, now you know why we spent the first two dapim of this part talk, talking about Tony Tanis Ganav. So you're already prepared for this case. So somebody who had been given an object to walk and claimed that it was stolen or that it was burgled, um, and then he swore, so we know now he's going to have to pay Kefel, um, um, but then he admitted. So in general, forget that he said Ganav. Anybody that swears falsely as a way of keeping proper, you know, keeping something that was entrusted to him to himself, and then he admits it, brings a special korban called an asham gzelot, a sin offering for stealing through the use of an oath, and he adds an ek, and he pays back the owner plus a fifth. So this guy did both, by, and because bringing the korban and paying the fifth only comes through the act of admission. Only when you admit it do you do bring the korban and pay a fifth. Kefel you normally pay only when witnesses find you out. Okay, so this guy, first of all, because it was a towing tinus ganav with a shvua, right, if you had sworn falsely about an aveda, then the only thing, then there would never be a kefel. But if you admitted it, you'd break, pay a fifth and bring a korban. Right? So now, because it was a geneva, it's possible we're talking about both liabilities. But only if, for the kefel, you need adim. For the korban and the fifth, you need to admit it. So you did all of that. Okay? So let's take a look. Okay? So... 
Okay, you admitted. Then witnesses came. If you admitted before the witnesses come, so this Brighta basically assumes that if you admitted prior to the witnesses, then you're going to then you'll be out of Kefel even after the witnesses come. Okay, so then Then forget the Kefel. You got it. So you did this oath about Geneva. You would be liable Kefel, but you admitted, and because it's a knas, your admission won't make you won't make you. Pay, and that admission even gets you out of it, according to this Brita, even after the witnesses come. So if you admitted first, case falls off the table. Table, and because you admitted, then you're going to bring your korban plus a chomish. Fine, that's case number one. But the imushabo edim hode, if after the witnesses came, you admitted it, so it's now too late to get out of Kefel. Now you have both liabilities. You have the liability of Kefel because the witnesses came. You have the liability of the korban and your fist because of your admission. Yeah, but your admission means nothing. Yeah, so that's interesting. It's interesting, but because your admission is from the perspective of, you know, like doing the tshuva or whatever, you're right. You could have said that admission after the witnesses came means nothing, right? But because it's like part of the whole point about kapara and tshuva, you know, they're like, they're like they say, like all these people that are in the prison, you know, they could be there 30 years, they could be going to, you know, being given the death penalty and they won't admit that they've done it, right? It's always, you know, that they've been framed. So even after the witnesses came that there's a power it's a p- interesting there is a power of the added mission so, so, this is what you just didn't actually know witnesses came like in other words they came the no 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 you knew the witnesses came you could still deny it fine mm-hmm. you know you got witnesses I'm going to pay but I'm telling you I never did it right so the action that you're right that's uh, interesting that the admission is meaningful okay so you have both liabilities here the KFO plus the Corbin and the fifth okay the you pay double because you were a towing tinus ganav, you pay double, okay? And the asham, you bring the asham, you admit it. Now, how about the fifth that you add on? The chom show, the extra fifth, which is part of the kapara and the admission, olam obikfelo, div Rabbi Yaakov. Rabbi Yaakov says, well, that's, you know, your kefel includes the extra fifth. Oh, so you don't okay. pay the fifth, essentially. Right, but we'll see in a minute how the Gemara deals with that. Okay, so, but he says, in theory, you're chayav, but your, your kefel includes it. The chachamimomim and the sages say, berosho v'chamishito. No, 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 no. Fundamentally, there's no obligation for the fifth. You know, um, so it says, on the top of it, you pay a fifth. If you're only paying the principal, that's what they understand Mishal and Barosh means, then Mosif Chomesh. You add a fifth to the principal. This money, you're paying Kefal for. And by the way, remember, the Kefal obligation came first. So you can't even conceptualize it as, oh, no, 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 no. Fundamentally, I'm paying the Karen. No, no. Fundamentally, it starts with Kefal. And then, if something starts with not a Karen payment, but a Kefal payment, ain't Mosif Chomesh. You don't add a fifth. So, in principle, they all agree you don't pay a fifth, but one is conceptually it's included in the Kefal, and one is fundamentally you don't pay a fifth. Reb Shimon ben Yochai, Reb Shimon Yochai says, not only that, you don't even bring the Korban. Ain't Chomesh V'asha Mishalim B'mokom Sheish Kefal. No, no, no. Like, he agrees with Barosha V'chamishito, but he says more than just you, only when there's a principle is there a fifth, only when there's a principle is there a Korban. In a case where it starts as a Kefal case, there's not going to be a fifth in a Korban. So according to, by the way, Reb Shem Ben Yochai, Michael, right, effectively your admission does nothing. Right? Now you could, you were saying, and that would have been my intuition, maybe the admission, it doesn't count as an admission. He's not framing it that way. Right? Let's say, for example, here's another case. 
It wasn't Geneva. It was Gzela. You took a Shavuah and you, well, you said it was Nigzal and you were lying. Okay? And then witnesses came and then you admitted. Then you would do a Chomish and a Korban. So it's not because it doesn't count as an admission. But he says once you're not paying the principal, you're paying Kesel, you're not going to bring a Korban either. So first we're going to look at this debate. I mean, well, let's take a look. Okay? So how is this relevant for us? Katani Mihas, we taught nonetheless, Chom Sho Ololom Ololo, that the Chomish counts towards, you know, with it, it, you know the the the, the, uh, the it counts the case ke- uh, that bixelo. Uh, I'm sorry that you know the chomish is part of the kefal. The Reb Yaakov. Now the Gemara assumes that for the chomish to, ke- to count with paying the kefal, it has to be that it's distinct as a chomish. It can't be that it's hidden and you know if they're you know in the kefal. It has to be like a distinctly identifiable chomish. So let's take a look. Hey what's the case? When you stole it was worth four and when there was a court case it was worth four so Chomsha what do you mean that the Chomash counts because you're paying the Kefel the Kefel is four and the Chomash what's a quarter what's a fifth of four one of course because <laughs> the way you do a fifth is it's a fifth after you pay it so if you add one to four you'll have a total of five so it'll be a fifth of the final total so the Chomash is really a quarter of the principal okay so so therefore the Gemara assumes that the, your kefa would not count as your chomish payment if it was if 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 the if the identity of the chomish was obscured. Okay, so in that case, you're paying four. You can't count that as a chomish payment. So um, now, obviously, this is not be, this is because we're not just talking about a debt, right? If I owe you two hundred dollars, if I owe you a hundred dollars, and I say here, here's two hundred dollars, keep the change. You say, oh, you didn't pay me my debt because there wasn't a clear hundred dollars there, right? You obviously wouldn't say that. But a chomish is an idea of a type of a kapara. There's some ritual nature to it. And therefore, you sort of understand, I mean, Tezal has a different read of the Gemara, but I'm going with Rashi. You sort of understand the idea that if it doesn't look like a chomish, it looks like Kesel, we can't give it sort of that ritual role of a chomish to achieve kapara. Okay, so that's what the Gemara says. So then it wouldn't count. Okay? Um, Elolav, you must say, um... Uh, um, it started with four and it ended with one. Okay, so Dixela Zuza Vichumsha Zuza. In that case, right, if it was four and one, this is why it's a proof to Rav. If it's four and one, and Rav is right that you split the Karen and the Kefel, so you'll pay four for the Karen, one for the Kefel, so your Kefel is the same amount as your Chomish payment, because your Chomish is a Chomish based on the principle. Okay? So if we're going to have a case where Kefel and Chomish are the same, it must be that you're paying, that the value went down, so the Kefel will only be one. Yes? Everybody got that? No? Yes? Hello? Well, the case would be two, right? No. You, carry, you pay a total of five. You pay four as the Karen, plus one for the Kefel. The Kefel is, uh, uh, is the extra one, okay? All right. So, so, what did Rob hold the other way around when it went from one to four? We also that he also hold, but that went with with his case. Okay. The Kefel is the Vachum Shazuz. Alma Karen King Shaganav to Shemakim to Shemer Vachamisha Kachasam Odebedin. You see that that's a nice support for Rob that the amount of Kefel can change if the value of the object changes. 
So the kefir could be one even when the original value was four. Okay, so isn't that a nice proof? So I'm a Rav, no, not necessarily. I'll have a way of explaining Rabbi Yaakov that bright without it being a support of Rav. It was four, and it started four and ended four. So how could it be that the kefel is only a quarter of the original price? Or how could it be, let me reframe it, that the kefel and the chomish are the same amount? So he says like this, uh, You were bothered. In that case, the kefel would be four and the chomish would only be one. So what are you talking about? So you tell me, you, you told me, um, you told me like, you know, where's that thing that you have in mind? I said, it was stolen. Make me swear. Okay, take an oath. Then you say, no, you know, I, I still don't believe it. I want you to take another oath. Fine, I'll take another oath. Fine, I'll take another oath. Fine, I'll take another oath. So I took four oaths. Okay? In that case, when I finally get around to admitting it, I'm going to pay an echomish for every single oath that I took. Okay? And in that case, my kefel will be four. And my collection of chomishes will be four. Okay? So even though you could say, well, each chomish isn't distinguished separately in that case either, but as a collection of chomishes, you know, that you counts. You don't take the chomish on, like, the Karen and then the chomish from before. Right. The chomish is always on the Karen. Okay. 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 It's fifth. Fifth in plural. Hatorah reaps the chomishiot harbein. Many fifths. The Karen achat. Fine. So you can't, being approved from that, we can have a case where the multiple chomishes equal the kefel. Fine, so that was an attempt to prove Rav. Let's finish up. We're going to now finish with this discussion here about this idea of the overlapping of the chomish and the kefel, and then we're going to get back to Rav's statement. So only when you pay the principal do you pay the chomish. If you're paying kefel, you don't pay chomish. Um, um, but clearly the difference between the chomish, who's a Fundamentally, you don't have an obligation of chomish, and Reb Shem Ben Yochai is whether you pay the asham. Ma'ishnach. So the Gemara says, well, how do they distinguish that in the pasuk? Ma'ishnach chomish to lo mosi Why do you not pay the chomish when you're paying kefil? To see berosho on its principle on the base, the chamishito. You add a fifth. Asham nami lo mishalim. You should also shouldn't bring an asham when you're paying kefil. Daksi berosho the chamishito the es ashamo, and then it says and the asham. So presumably the asham is also is also based on only paying the on starting with the principal, which is exactly what Rav Shem Ben Yochai says. So the Gemara says, "Ami l'chav Rabban and Rabban will tell you." That's the pasuk. The Chamishi told you, "Save a lot." That's Hashemol Yavi Lashem. And the next pasuk is that. All right, so it's the next pasuk. Yeah, hold on. It's already. It's not only one thing. It's like one, you know. Okay, hold on. Okay. Oh no, that's a different one. Hold on. That's not Hashem Gzeros. One minute. Yeah. One minute. Right, what's 
Kneva, is that Kzela? Or is it sense like at some point if you forcefully see something and totally make it yours, you know, it stops being the other person. Okay, I guess we could politicize that conversation really quickly, but we're moving on. Okay, so anyway, so that's one way of understanding Kinyan and Geneva. Another way is just like, no, it's not like I did an act of taking possession, but the Torah says I return, especially by Gzela, a share Gazal, that you stole. If it's in the same way in which it was stolen, if it's seen as a different object, then it's, I, you know, then it just somehow automatically stops being yours. I have no obligation to return it. Once I stop having an obligation to return it, right, I just somehow naturally take possession of it. Um, so another person couldn't, but like I can. So it's still based on the idea that it starts with the fact that I have some ownership of it when I take it, but that, what's preventing that full ownership from expressing itself is my obligation to return it. Once that obligation goes off, I'm able to keep it to myself. So those are, that's the you two conceptual... You, you don't say Is that what you're saying? You, well, that you, the Rejah is usually you're entitled to say it even if it's worth nothing. You don't have a chiv to return it when it's not gained shagazal and therefore becomes yours, but you still have to pay the money. Rejah gets you off of paying the money. Okay, so those are the two conceptual models. One is an act of taking possession. The other is when the mitzvah of returning it goes away, I naturally now own the object. Now, here are the different types of ways of kinyanim. Okay? There is the most classic is Shinoi Ma'aseh. That has the best of both for Geneva and Gzela. Right. That is the best of both worlds of the two models I just explained. You physically change the object. You build the wood into a box. So number one, because I'm actually physically doing it, I am taking possession of it. That act of taking possession. Because it's a new thing, right, it's a different thing. I don't have a need to return it. Okay? That has both of them. It has the act and it has that it's new. Okay? Now, here are, here are two variations of that. Okay? One is called Shinoi Hashem, which can happen by itself. I didn't do anything. This calf became an ox. I did nothing. It could be looked at as a new object. Now, you could claim, I don't look at that as new. If it's a natural type of a development that happens by itself, I just look at it as a grown-up calf. I don't look at it as new. We could debate that, but let's assume we agree we do look at it as new. It is a new name. But I didn't do it through any particular act, right? So this... Whatever. Okay, so this is something that just has the new, but does not have the act. Now you have another case of Yehush, Yehush. The owners give up hope. I'm never going to see it again. Now, if you give up hope about the lost object and I pick it up, it's mine, right? Because your giving up hope makes it more detached from you. You gave up hope of getting back this Geneva. I kept on holding on to it. I've taken possession. So that's, in a way, an act of, I mean, it's not like I changed it, but the act of taking, of holding on to it after you've given up hope, even though it's still the same object, Right, that's more an act of a Kenyan. Okay, so it's just so it's pretty cool, right? Here, Yehush is passive, right? No, the owner's Yehush plus your okay plus being in your rishos, your you know holding of it. Okay, it's not a transformative act, but it's an act like a normal act of a Kenyan. The owners give up, and it's in my property, and it's a, it's a taking of possession. All right, this is not a, it's a taking of possession. This is just the same changes. So, so the, he's the Yehush in the middle of the street, and I'm not doing anything. Then it's not. Uh, possibly not, although whether your kinyanim are enough, the natural kinyanim you have in it, but that's an interesting question, okay? And then we could also talk about yeish and shinu rishos. 
So there might also be a case here of Yeus plus Shinir So a third party gets it, okay? And then that's the third party is taking possession of it. Okay, so this is all about taking possession. This is about changing. and That's the best of the two. So those are the basic models of how a Ganav takes, or Gazan takes possession of an object. Let's take a look at the Gemara. I'm a Rebbe Law. Okay, Ganav Plevenasa Ayo, if he stole a, 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 a sheep and it became a ram, Egovenasa Shor, a calf and it became an ox, Nasa Shinu Biadov Knao. So it became a Shinu in your hands, like automatically, and you take possession of it. So that's not a Shinu Yimaasev, that's what is going to get called in a little bit a Shinu Hashem. So once it's now a new object, if you slaughtered or sold it, you're slaughtering something that's yours or you're selling something that's yours. So you don't pay, so you don't pay, pay four or five. In, I did? Uh, no? Okay. Okay, then you, then you don't pay four or five. AC Rebbe Chanina Rebbe Law. So Rebbe Chanina challenged Rebbe Law. We have a bright. Ganav Plevin Asa Ayo Egon Asa Shor. Exactly your case. Mesham Tashulim Kevo Tashulim Haber Vachamisha Kainish Gadav. You pay Kefal and four and five like when you stole it. So first of all, that goes against Rav because it says you pay Kefal and four and five when you stole it, not by Hamada Bedin. But it also goes against Rebbe Law because it's saying that you're going to be paying four or five. Okay. Visag Dai Pekanya Bishinurei. According to you, that you took possession when it changed. Am I Mesham? Why are you paying? You're just uh, slaughtering and selling something that's already yours. That's exactly your case. And it says you pay four and five. I'm relayed. So you said back to him, sell him my. So what do you think? How would you read that right there? You'd say that change doesn't make you take possession because it's all like automatic so you don't take possession of it? If that's true, Amai Mishalim came to How do you explain how that right works according to Rav? Why are you playing, paying according to the time you stole it? Mishalim Kihasha, pay four and five and cave based on now. Right? So this right is a real challenge. A, it seems to indicate that you don't own it when it makes this natural change, which goes against Rebbe Law. B, it goes against Rav. It says you pay it based on now, not based on the original. Amr he said back to him, um, No, for me it works. I don't think that you own it as a result of this, but here's why you don't pay the amount of its value right now, why it doesn't work with Rav. Because, because you can say back to the owner, Ganav can say back to the owner, Did I steal an ox from you? Did I steal a ram from you? No, I stole a little calf, I stole a little sheep. So therefore what? Because therefore, and we're going to remember, we touched on this yesterday, the same way yesterday we said that if you fattened it, you're not going to pay the higher value because of what you added to it. This Gemara is taking it one step further. Even if you didn't actively fatten it, if it's some type of a different object, Kefal is Kefal of what you stole. So therefore, if something changed price, but it's the same object, you could say, how do you figure out how to do that? How much is that object worth? Do I look at the price then or the price now? But it's still two or four or five times the object that was stolen. But you stole a calf. You didn't steal a cow. So why are you going to pay four or five times the value of a cow? It's ultimately still the value of what you stole. Which, which price you attach to it is a different question. So he says, look, when it's a different object, it's not different enough because it happened all by itself for you to own it. But it is different enough that we're not going to pay four or five or careful based on this. This isn't the same object. It's going to be based on the original one. Okay, so that's what he says back. That's a pretty reasonable argument. Amalei, so he said back to him, Rahmana Nitzlan Mehai Daita. God should save us from such opinions. So Amalei, so he said back to him, Adarabba Rahmana Nitzlan Mehai Daita. The opposite, God should save us from opinions like yours. So, 
<laughs> you gotta love it. What? Okay, yeah. So you got. So it's quite funny. Like you normally don't have this type of an exchange, especially because it's just same to you. Oh yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> uh, but um, you know, but uh, where were you when they were giving up? Right? No. Anyway. So, um, but the funny thing is, like, it's not exactly clear, like, why are they feeling the opinion is so objectionable. But presumably, you understand what he's saying is, if you're willing to consider it so different that you don't pay four or five because it's a different object, then you should be conceding to me that you're not going to pay, that, that you're going to own the object, right? Once you're conceding that it's a different object, you should concede that you own it. And he says, no, God forbid, that's a crazy slogic. It's a different object, but you didn't take possession of it. It happened by itself. So just because it's different doesn't mean you own it, but it does mean you're not going to pay double or four or five based on it. Okay, so now we're introducing ourselves into the world of Shinoi, and we've also had this new reservation on Rav's idea that you're not going to pay cable of four and five if the object changes, only if it's the same object. Let's continue in the Gemara. Okay, now we're going to really turn to this issue of Shinoi. So, Maski play Rebbe Zera. So Rebbe Zera challenged this whole thing about this uh, shore and the Ayo, about how could you say that you don't own it. So he says, Okay, so now he's saying, look, I get you saying it happened by itself, and so on, it's not a different object, but doesn't it, isn't it called something different? Isn't that his point? And isn't the fact that it has a different name enough to take possession of it? So, so again, you could have argued that you need to do an act. It doesn't happen automatically. And they, but I'm a Rava, but Rava says it's not even really a new, called something new. Sure, ben yomo kare sure. Ayo ben yomo kare ayo. An ox, even one day old, is called an ox. An, a ram, even one day old, is called a baby ram. Okay? How do you know? Sure, ben yomo kare sure. Sure, a kesev always kivaled. An ox, a sheep, or a goat that is born. So it's already called an ox when it's born. Ayo ben yomo kare ayo, and a ram one day, Yaakov says to Lavan, I did not eat the rams of your sheep. What, the rams you didn't eat? But the little baby sheep you ate? It means any of the sheep. Okay, so that's an interesting point. In order to say that something is a new name, what defines a new name? And if you can certainly understand here that he's not just saying, I mean, he's partly saying maybe, you know, what's the norm amongst how people talk, you know, the societal norms and conventions around what you call and label things, but it could also be the fact that, as we said, this is a natural way in which something grows and develops. So therefore, how much, I mean, you know, you would think like a moth and a butterfly probably would be a shinai you know, that's so radically different. But if this ultimately is something growing up, right, so he's saying that's not something that we would call a different object, okay? So, here's, so he, what he's saying is, in principle, we don't argue that a shinai hashem would be kona, but this case is not something to be called a different object. All right, now the Gemara continues. Mikomakam um, Kashis. Now we've still got a problem. So we got one question, which is, is this a Shinoi Hashem? It happened naturally. Are you Kona it? Now, there's one opinion that says no, and the reason that you don't pay for it, and you pay four and five based on the original value is it's different enough that you pay four and five based on the original, not based on now, but it's not a different name, and you're not going to be Kona it. But according to Rabbi Law, who says you are Kona it, what does he do with the Brita that says you pay four and five? According to him, you'll never pay four and five because you were Konit. You've got a Brita against Rabbi Law. So the Gemara says, Mikomakam Kasha, you've got this contradiction to Rabbi Law. 
How many Beit Shammai? No, no, no. The brighter that says that you pay for in five is a position of Beit Shammai. The Amri, because Beit Shammai say, Shinui bim komo omedes, the lokani. A Shinui stays in its place. We don't look at a changed object as a different object, and there's no Kenyan. So, basically, Rebilah holds the idea that when the object changes, you own it. It's a different object. Okay? But the brighter that says, even after it became an, a ram and an, an ox, whatever, you still are going to pay four and five, that holds that a Shinui, you do not take possession of something by virtue of a Shinui. Now, where does Beit Shammai say that you don't take possession of something by virtue of a Shinui? Let's take a look. Titania, we turn to Brisa. Nasan loved the Nana. Somebody gave to a prostitute in her fee, because you're not allowed to bring the, uh, uh, let's say, a lamb given to a prostitute as a cor- as for her fee as a korban. So let's say, rather than what he gave to this prostitute was, chitin, wheat, the Asan Solet and she ground it into flour or Zesim olives the Asan Shemen she made it into oil or Anovim the Asan Yayin or, 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 or grapes that she made into wine so is this the same object that was given to her you see in a lot of halachas we want to ask this question when something changes is it seen of as the same object right so Tani Chada Asr one Bryce that teaches she can't use it for her Esnan the Tan is for, for her Korban the Tani Chada Mutter and one says it can be used. So it's that's the debate. Do we look at this as a different object? Zamar of Yosef, Tani Giorin Deme Asporek, this person teaches, that Bechamai Osin and Bechilmatirin. This debate is between Bechamai and Bechilel. That Bechamai says it's still the same object. Now, my time of the Bechamai, what's the reason of Bechamai? Dechsev Gam, Lerabba Chinuyim. It says, they are both an abomination to God. So why did you have to use the word both? So he says, Even after they change, they are still remain forbidden. Okay? No. What is it? Uh, uh, I guess it would be Hem, the Hem of Shnehem. They, they are an abomination. The Loshinuyehem, not the new version that they take. If they change, it's a different thing and it's not a problem. So Beit Shammai, who Hem, the Lovrado Sehem. No, no, when it says them, it means that if you give a sheep to this project and the sheep gives birth, then the baby sheep or whatever, the, la- the lamb is okay. Okay, so that's the only the object itself, but Beit Shammai would say, but whatever form the object takes. And Beit Hillel says, no, not only the object itself, only the object in its original form. Okay, who da'asa? Beit Hillel, Beit Hillel say, Tartish Masmina, both are true. Hem Veloshinu Yehem, only the object itself and not in some new form that it's taken. Hem Veloshinu and only the object itself and not a birth, something that it gives birth to. So Beit Hillel says, if it changes, it's a different object. And Beit Shammai says, if it, even if it changes, it's still forbidden. What do they do with the word gam? Gam seems to be expanding the category. Fine, that word gam is a problem for Beit Okay, now, here is a very important question. How do we jump from a debate around 
whether you can bring something as an esnanzona, you know, the special halacha about bringing it as a korban, to this question of whether a ganav takes possession. So first of all, you have to do, it's a two-step thing. First of all, you could say, this debate is only in the world of esnan. It's no bigger, broader, conceptual issue. Right? The betila may be generally hold one way, but by esnan, the Pasuk tells him this, but shaman normally holds this, but by esnan, Pasuk no. So maybe it's a very specific halacha by esnan and completely irrelevant. Even assuming that it betrays a larger principle, what would that larger principle be? The larger principle is not about whether you take possession of something. This is not a question about Kenyan. So what the larger principle is, and Tosos makes this point is, the larger principle is, in order to say that once something changes, I take possession of it if I'm Ghanav, that means that I have to concede that I look at something as having changed. Right? Right? Meaning, it's nice to say that there's a principle that changes you take possession, but we first have to concede that we're willing to look at it as a new object. And, you know, sometimes we're not. Like a Shorvanas, other cases, we won't look at it as a new object. So what, so what the Gemara is saying is, Beit Shammai's position is, I never look at anything as a new object. Okay, now I don't know where, how far it would go. You know, I mean, literally, like if you would pulverize something and, you know, reconstitute it in a laboratory, I don't know exactly. Okay? But Beit Shammai says, sometimes of a natural, within a certain range, you know, at least, I refuse to look at it as a new object. It's just the old object in a different form. So I can't talk about a Ghana taking possession. I can't even begin the conversation. I refuse to recognize it as a new object. Right? It's like you painted it. It's like you whatever. It's the same thing. Whereas Beit Hillel says, from Esnan you see that Beit Hillel can say, first point is, it's a new object. Once it's a new object, number one is it's, you can use it as a korban by an esnon. Because it's a new object, I can also talk about a ganav, you taking possession of it. Okay? So we've got the idea of shinoi here. So what we have is, Beit Shammai says it's the same object. Okay? And therefore, it's forbidden for an esnon. And Beit Hillel says it's a different object. Okay? Because it's a different object, now we have some possibilities. For an esnon, it's okay because it's not what was given. And for a ganav, these are not the same halachas. Okay, but they all are based on recognizing it as a different object. And for ganav, it's a different object. Then you can take, then you can have, a, you can do a kinyan on it. You know, for the reasons we laid out before. So that's, but the chamaik, uh, you know, he basically eliminates the whole conversation. So the brighter that says that if it's a shor venasa ayil, tle venasa ayil, you pay four and five, that's Beit Shammai, who refuses to recognize things as being different. But Rabbi Law, who says you take possession of it, and you don't have to pay four and five, he's going like Beit Hillel that recognizes that things change. Yes? Can't you say that Beit Shammai, he just says those three, and he can say why. I understand. All of this is the Gemara reading it into Beit Shammai. Yep. Exactly. 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 And it could have been a special ethnon halacha. It didn't have to be a kolotar kula halacha. Absolutely. But this is the Gemara reading it in, which then makes it you know, interesting for us conceptually, whether or not it's originally what Beit Shammai meant. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Okay, so the Gemara says, Atan lo pligi, back to top of Samach Vavam Lalav, until now we're only debating, El demar savar shinu toner, mar savar ain't shinu toner. Okay, the debate here of Beit Hill and Beit Shammai is whether Shinwe works to take possession, or really it's one stage earlier, whether Shinwe, as the Gemara said a minute ago, was bimkomo omeid, whether the thing is still considered, the, the language before was more precise, whether even after it changes, it still is where it always was, it still is considered to be the same object. Avalinian shlume, kuleyama modu, I'm sorry, I think the mar here was not, oh, I'm sorry, the Mar here was not Beit Hillel Beit Shammai. The Mar here was Rabbi Lai and Rabbi Chanina. Rabbi Lai and Rabbi Chanina are only debating by the case of the of the calf becoming a uh, an ox. 
about whether it's considered to be the same object or a different object. Meaning, even if everybody in principle agrees that we can see Tashinoi, we could debate whether the idea of a little baby calf growing up constitutes a Shinoi or not. Okay, so there the debate was whether or not you actually are going to see it as a new object and pay and and whether you'll still be liable if you slaughter it. Okay, but regarding how that brighter says the payment is made, right? If you're not going to be kona it because it's like big shamai or because you don't consider it to be a shinui, what that brighter says is in a context in which you're not kona it, it says that brighter says you pay the four and five based on the value when it was a calf. If in a case when you're not Kona it. So why is that? That goes against Rav. Okay, Diktani, because the Brightest says, Mishan Tashlumikeva Tashlumi like when it was stolen, like when it was a calf. So Rav, let's say this is a contradiction on Rav. So the Amarav Right? So that's uh, we essentially dealt with that a minute ago, but the is now re asking it. That Brightest says you pay based on the value of the calf, not on the value of the cow. Why is that? So the Gemara says, I'm a Rava. So he's, the answer is going to be in four words. And there's a big debate what these four words mean. Tlaim kara. Domim kishel ashav. Excuse me, five words. Sheep is like the original price. Money is like the current price. Okay, that explains that. Moving on. <laughs> so, okay, so what does that mean? So... Tosos says I'll first tell Tosos because Tosos is more easy based on what we said before Tosos says that's another way of saying what the Gemara said earlier which was what did I steal a did I steal a, a ram from you did I steal a cow from you which is if the animal cha- if the object changes in value when Rav says you try you have different things about when it was stolen and when Hamad Abedin etc that's when it was the same object it just changed in value then we can say you got to pay back you know you, you stole a sheep it's still a sheep you got to pay back four sheep okay how much is a sheep worth so do we look at current market prices or do we look at market prices from a year ago but conceptually you're still paying four sheep four lambs that's what you stole but if it started as a lamb and it ended as a ram so we can't say you got to pay four rams you didn't still steal four rams you paid four lambs so we're going to look at the lamb now we might have got lamb at today's market prices that would actually be a way in which you would both do Kedemekara and Kedahasta okay when you stole it lambs were worth a dollar now it's a ram worth a thousand dollars and lambs are worth four dollars so it could be we make you pay four lambs times four dollars right when you look at the question of how much do you, the dollar market value you assign to it that's when Rob says you look at today's market values but if you look at what object are you multiplying by two or four or five you're multiplying the object that was stolen not some new object that's here right now right that makes a lot of sense okay and that's basically what the Gemara had said before this as well um, just to sort of give you a variation of that it might be based on the same principle Rashi says it's not a question about whether the animal changed it's a question of what units you're paying in if you come and say I want to pay back I stole lambs I want to pay back in lambs Okay, so then I'm going to pay back based on the original price. But if I go want to pay back cash, I'm going to pay back at today's market price. Okay, so it's a little bit harder. to I mean, it seems like it's based on a similar type of an idea of a conceptually. Do we conceptualize it like you stole money? Or do we conceptualize it like you stole an object? Anyway, I don't want to get into that. I just want to mention it. Tosu's explanation is certainly the simplest based on what we've seen, and it makes an enormous amount of sense. You pay four times the object you stole 
stole, how, what is the value of the object you stole, then we might want to look at today's market prices rather than those. But the four times or the five times or the two times is times the object you stole, not times some new object right now. Okay. Now we are going to put the rest to this whole Rav's idea of Karen Kane Shaganov, and we're going to look at what is most people have the most fun with, which is this question about Shino, about types and ways in which you're Kone Gneva. Okay, so we've already discussed Shinoi Hashem. We've discussed something that changes naturally without an action, about whether that, in certain circumstances, does it really get a new name or not. And we've discussed a deba- debate of Beit Hill and Beit Shammai, whether you acknowledge, even when something even changed through an action, whether, you, whether you're willing to first start and admit that it's conceived as a new object. If it's a new object, then we can talk about taking possession, we can talk about a lot, a lot of potential consequences. Let's take a look at the Gemara. Amar Rabbah says Rabbah Shinoi Konek Sivritanina. The idea that Shinoi works for Ganov to take possession is is both written in the Torah and taught in the you know in the Tanaitic material. Ksiva, it says in the Torah. You should return the object that you stole. Now we've shifted to Gzela. We're assuming for now that Kinev and Gzela are all the same. Okay. What does it say? The object that you stole. To tell you. If it's in the state it was when you stole it, that's when you have an obligation to return it. But if it's in a different state, so you don't have to return it. You get to keep it. It's yours. You just have to pay the money, but you don't have to actually return the object. The object no longer belongs to the owner once it has changed and it's not in the way that which you stole it. Okay? So, ten, uh, that's, that's how I get it from the Pasuk. Tanina, and it's also taught in a um, Mishnah, because the Mishnah says later on, Hagozo eitim basam kelim, you stole wood and you turned it into like, you know, boxes or some vessels, you know, uh, um, a fork and a spoon, whatever you, whatever you did with him. Tzemer basam begadim, or you stole wool and you made it into garments. Mishalim kishasa gzeila, you don't give back your nice new garments and your nice you know wooden box you give that you pay the value that thing was worth when you stole it okay so that's one brighter that teaches that you do that you now own the thing and you don't give back the nice brand new beautiful thing you made from it you just pay the value when you stole it Inami here's another Mishnah Let's say you went ahead and you t- um, and this is t- now this is not a Geneva case. So again, it's interesting when we cross boundaries and we look at other areas of halacha and make analogies. But you now, when you do the shearing of your sheep, you have to give a gift of it to the kohen. Reishis hagez, the first of the shearings. Once you shear a certain amount, let's say you shear the requisite amount, you're obligated to give it to the kohen. But before you gave it to the kohen, you dyed all the wool. Okay, so now it's not the same wall and you don't have to give it to him which is quite interesting because you would think that that's not a shinoi right I mean I think there's a much bigger shinoi a calf becoming a cow than wool becoming dyed I mean it's a say you know but I don't know I mean maybe you don't just dye it maybe you know you, you clean it you thread it you do all these things it really does transform in the process maybe it's not just color you know it's bigger like you made raw wool raw shearings into like marketable dyed you know strings of wool I don't know exactly the degree of strength anyway 
So his tikkun no lo adshet You didn't give it to the kohen until you had dyed it. Potter, you don't have to give it. It's no longer conceived the same wool. Alma You see, once it changes, you take possession. Now, just it means you take possession. It's because do you like steal it from the kohen, or does it just mean that in that case it's not the same thing, and therefore if it's not the same thing? You don't have an obligation to give it to the kohen. I mean, it never was his yet. It was yours that you had to give. Okay, so that's where he says, but shino is obvious. Especially if it's a shinui masa. Notice it all, at least, well, he wasn't explicit, but anyway, for now we'll assume he means like a real shinui that you did directly be a dayim with your hands. So that's in the psukim, it's in the mishnayis. No question to me about the effect of shinui. Right? We could debate like about a sheep becoming a ram. Is that really considered a new name or not? What happens when it happens by itself and not something you did actively? We could debate the parameters, but there's no question shinui works. Yehu, she says, I got some more questions about. Yehu says, when the owner gives up hope of getting it back. Okay? Yehu, she says, um... Um, I know that the rabbinic tradition is that Yeish works. Miu lo What I don't know is Does it work biblically or does it only work rabbinically? Okay, this is when it's Yeish in the hands of the Ghana. It's not that it's gone to a third party. I stole it from you. You gave a pope of getting it back. Now I own it. Okay, it didn't change. You just gave a pope of getting it back. Now I own it. I don't know if that's biblical or rabbinic. Okay, Miu so what would be the basis of saying that it's biblical? Like what happens when you find a lost object? Now, if you find, if I find an object you lost after you've given up hope of getting it back, I get to keep it. So, since if when the owner gives up hope of getting it back before it gets into the hands of the finder, so Kanye, the finder is allowed to keep it. And the logic there is, let's just stop for a moment and explain what the logic. Is. Why do I keep your lost object after you've given up hope? Because once it's lost, it's sort of out of your control. Your ownership of it has been weakened, right? Your degree of using it, accessing it, protecting it. So it's only, it's more like, you know, ownership in name only at that stage, right? You don't have any practical control over that. Once you actually give up hope of getting it back, the only thing that at a certain stage made it yours was you were still seeing it as yours. That even though physically it wasn't under your control, certainly in your, you know, psychically it was still yours. Once even that has, has broken, you know, forget I'm never going to find it there's nothing that's really left to attach it to you so it's free for somebody to come and take possession your whole ownership has become so tenuous and weakened when it's both physically and mentally out of your possession that's the idea of why Yehosh I'm allowed to come and take it okay now why is it different after you have Yehosh after I find the object because if I find the object and then you have Yehosh as soon as I found it I have a mitzvah to return it to you so my holding on to it was holding on to it for your behalf so at that stage, it was back under your possession, as it were. So therefore, my Yehush, right, your Yehush didn't sever the connection, because at that stage, I was holding it for you. That's why it works by an Aveda. Okay, let's now see how that might translate by a Geneva. So let's read that again, okay? So, Yehush, I'm rebutting the nickname. Milo edin idoraisa, if it's doraisa, nidi dahave amotze Aveda, like finding a lost object. Motzei Aveda lav, kibun diniyash when you find the lost object, the logic is that since the owners give up hope of getting it back, nikmi to taste the yade before it gets to the hand of the finder, kanile he takes possession. Inami, I'm high, nami, this guy too. Kibun diniyash mare, mare, kanile since. 
the owner is given hope, you should take possession. Al-Makani. Therefore, you should take possession. Now, there's an obvious difference. How is it different, this case, than the Aveda case? Oh, if Yezh works by Aveda, it should work by Geneva. Tell me what the difference is. Well, Aveda, you don't know whose it is. You, you, you stole it from us. Um, okay, but no, but if I find your Aveda after you've given up hope, even if I know it's yours, I get to keep it. Okay. When by the, does the Yesh work by Aveda? When it occurs at what stage? Before the guy finds it. When the, here the Yesh occurs at what stage? After the guy had already stolen it. Right? So that's the obvious difference. Alright? So that's what the Gemara says. Oh, Gilma, or do you say, no damiel Aveda. It's not like Aveda. Aveda who, by Aveda, when it came into your hands, it came into your hands, it was already mutter. The guy had already had the Yeyush, and it was allowed for you to take it. Okay? Um, hi, this came into be day. It came into your hands, and you had violated. You didn't have a... It wasn't that the Yeyush occurred first. First, you stole it. So in that case, the Yeyush should not work. Okay? Maybe you only own it now, not till Raisa. The Yeyush doesn't work till Raisa now. This would be like somebody found an Aveda, and then there was Yeyush. In that case, the Yeyush doesn't work. You stole it, and then there was Yeyush. The Yeyush shouldn't work. So in this case, only the rabbis let you keep it. The rabbis say you can keep it for the sake of encouraging people to return things. I mean, they're not going to return it, but in order, in order to encourage people to admit to things, right? If, we, if, if we're going to say, you know what, you can keep the object, you don't have to give it back, just pay the money. Alright? So it's rabbinic. But biblically, actually, no, because it occurred after you took possession. Rev Yosef Amen, Rev Yosef says, Yeish by itself does not work even rabbinically. And that's according to most Rishon in the way we paskin. When will Yeish work? I stole it, you gave up hope, and then I gave it to a third party. So from the, that's called Yeish and Shina Rishos. From the third party's perspective, he's getting it after the Yeish. But for me, since I took possession before the Yeish, the Yeish coming later will not work. Okay? So if Yosef says Yeish Kedi, is another way it's said in the Gemara, alone, without exchanging hands afterwards, Lokani. That's of Yosef's possession. Whereas Rav's position here is, or Rav's position, excuse me, is, Yehush does work, maybe Doraisa, maybe Dorabana. Now, let me take a minute. We won't go further right now. Let me, so we, we're not catch, we haven't caught up anymore. But let me take a minute to say something about what is the logic to think it works Doraisa. How do you answer this obvious difference? By an Aveda, it doesn't work after the guy finds it. So how could it work by Geneva after the guy steals it, right? Isn't that an obvious difference? So let me tell you, Tos has asked this question, but I'm going to tell you what I think is, is a really good answer to this, which I didn't see in, in Tosos. Maybe somebody else says this, which is exactly the difference I just said to you. By an Aveda, when I find your object, I am now holding on to it on your behalf. In that case, okay, when you then have Yeush, it's like you had Yeush on something that was in your house. Let's say you thought, you know, let's say you thought you lost your wallet on the street. And it turns out that it actually all along had been in your backyard. Okay? And then I say, oh, I walked into your backyard and I picked up your wallet after you had Yeush. Oh, it was Yeush, so I could take possession. No! It was never, it was in, because Yeush only works when it's out of your control. If you weren't, didn't, weren't aware of it, but 
ultimately it was in your possession, Yehosh obviously doesn't work. Well, when I find that lost object and I am planning on returning it to you, it's like it's in your backyard, right? That's why it doesn't work. But think about, compare that to the case of the Ganev. If I steal the object, every single minute, my holding of it is not holding of it for you. It's the exact opposite. My holding of it is an attempt to take it away from you. So in that case, even though my first took possession of it before Yehosh, it is actively being pulled away from you and the Yehosh could still be effective. Okay? So even though it's true that when after somebody finds an Aveda, the Yehosh is in perspective, after somebody takes a Geneva, the Yehosh could very well be effective. Okay? So that would be the argument that Yehosh works, you know, by itself. There's one other difference which I'll just say, which Tosos points out, which is, is that here you still have to pay back the money. You know, by a Geneva, by an Aveda, when you're allowed to keep it, you're allowed to keep it without giving back any money. So anyway, but that has these are other ways of dealing with that. But okay, but this is the Gemara's question. Rabba says, Shinui of course works, Shinui Mas at least. Yehush, I know it works. I know, I, we have a, you know, I know the rabbis say it works. I don't know if it's biblical or rabbinic. Laying out a very interesting question of, is it like Yehush by Aveda or not? The difference being that here the years came after came in possession of the Ghana's hands. Is that enough to say that it does not work biblically? But minimally it works rabbinically. And Rav Yosef says Yehush by itself does not work. If a third party gets it, so that is like the Aveda. He, the third party got it after the Yehush. But if you, you the Ghana after Yehush, you, it's still the same object. You still have to return it. Okay, so we'll see tomorrow the playing out of this debate about whether Yehush works by itself or not. Mm-hmm.